This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 174 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Also, we have our producer Glenn on the show today. Hey, guys. I have to tell everybody something exciting. Yes. Okay. My mare got the best four time changes this week. Uh, it just was one of those light bulb moments. I thought, yeah, I'm going to try. And she was great. I got them, I did them on the quarter line. I like to start four time changes on the quarter line. And I, uh, it was great. I mean, I we just I just kind of kept doing them because she kept getting them. And, you just and kept I going. Just, I just kept going, and I was three like, days later. Off. She's still doing them. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much just got off. Yeah, three days. I just got off, but I was so it was exciting. You know, I think we all have those moments as riders where you're just like, oh, yes, that's it, and, and it was pretty cool. So that was Wonderful. my exciting moment Good to share news. with everyone. Yeah, you had a light bulb this week. I did. Well, my mayor did. I, I thankfully asked right. <laughs> Terrific. But we have a great show today. We're um, actually talking about IDA. And Philip, you were a coach for IDA for many years, weren't you? Yeah, the Intercollegiate Dressage Association. I, I was a coach for many years. And uh, so we have the pre- president of IDA, Beth Bukema, on the show today. And also an IDA participant rider um, on today. So that's great. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be a great show and really informative. I didn't know much about IDA, so this was a show for me as well because uh, I think it's a, it's a wonderful program and, and high school students listen up uh, because or, or parents because it's, it's a great way to keep riding in school if you can't take a horse or don't have the time, that kind of thing. So very, very fun. And then Beth will be joining us later in the show with a trainer tip as well. We have all of that coming up, but first we do have some news, don't we? We do. Um, So the tickets for the World Dressage uh, Palm Beach Masters uh, scheduled for January went on sale on Wednesday. So that is something to look online for the World Dressage Masters. Um, That's a great event. The event's going to be held the 24th through the 26th of January. Um, And it's at the Jim Brandon Equestrian Center in Wellington. So yeah, uh, wonderful show. Lots of European riders come over for it. And, uh, you know, it's a premier event, definitely. And, uh, in America. I might Absolutely. have to get tickets, and Jennifer and I might have to come down and visit you down there, Reese, for that. Oh, I think that would be great. Maybe we could make it a whole weekend. Yeah. <gasps> I, that would be great. That'd be fun. <laughs> Convince me to come down in January to the beach at Palm Beach. I know. I know. Wow, that's so hard. Sure. Huh? That's I tough. Know. Philip, you have to come join us, and we have to have <laughs> oh, a yeah. Oh, I, I love the snow. I hate the beach. I could never go there. <laughs> yeah. I know. You don't, like, you don't like Wellington. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, I do have some sad news from the world of dressage, and this is uh, from England, where we have a lot of listeners. Uh, uh, Olympic dressage rider and a very popular trainer over there by the name of Laura Fry of uh, Fry's Dressage in East Yorkshire uh, died yesterday. She passed away at the age of 45 uh, from breast cancer. Um, Really awful. Yeah, she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer in 2010, and and she had battled it. She was actually teaching lessons up until last Tuesday. Um, 
and then she she as I said she died yesterday. She competed in uh, nineteen ninety two the Olympics in Barcelona, uh, and she actually came in uh, or the team came in seventh. Boy, they've come a long way in Britain since then, haven't they? Um, yes. <laughs> and the pair was part of the silver medal winning team in nineteen ninety three at the European Dressage Championships. She rode a horse by the name of Quarryman. Quarryman. And he retired in 1996, and she continued to ride and train since then. She uh, leaves her husband, Simon, and daughter, Charlotte. Um, and, you know, our condolences to the family and to the whole uh, dressage community over in Britain. That's a loss for all of them. Well, on a, on a little um, more uh, better note, um, Catherine Chamberlain, who we had on the show last uh, week, was named the USDF Youth Volunteer of the Year. So congratulations to congratulations Catherine. Congratulations, yeah. yeah. She, that was she went on the dressage um, foundations uh, trip, and she right last week. So congratulations to her. Yeah, she was a great guest. We got to get her back. Yeah. She was fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe yeah. she can tell us how she did that. You know, how to volunteer and get involved. Right. I think that's some, something everybody should do. Right after this commercial from Equestrian Collections, we have Beth Bukema, IDA president, going to talk to us about the Intercollegiate Dressage Association. Glenn, back with you from the Horse Radio Network. I'm here with Debbie with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. Hi, Glenn. This week I'm talking about the Itchin' Post. If your listeners are like my horses, if your horses are like my horses, they are changing coats right now. They're shedding out their summer coats, getting on their winter coats, and they are scratching on everything. This is the answer to that problem. It is a flat piece of material called Santaprene, which is the same thing they make hairbrushes and baby toys out of, and it's got um, some stuff that it won't deteriorate in the weather. It's the, it's a, it comes in a 14-inch a four, a by 24-inch piece. You actually put this on a fence post. You can put it on a, the outside of your barn, a tree. I've seen it in all these places. Anywhere your horse is, they'll find it. Then they'll come over and scratch on it, and I'll tell you from experience, it doesn't pull tail hair, which is something as a gypsy owner that we're very cognizant of. Um, it seems small when you get it, but that's all. You should only need one. You put it up, they'll find it, and they will scratch on it. You can put it in those stalls. You can put it outside. It's really a nice little thing to have if you have your horse scratching and maybe taking down your barn. If you put this on something that's sturdy, he'll scratch on that. He will choose that to scratch on over other things in your barnyard. So take a look at the Itch and Post on EquestrianCollections.com. How does it connect to the post or the wall or wherever you put it? Well, you can do it with wood screws. You actually screw it into the wall, and that way you, it gives you a little bit more flexibility of where you can put it because you actually screw it into wherever you're going to put it, and probably wood. You would most put it into wood because that, uh, that gives it a good stability, so you can put it in that way. Um, it's safe for extreme climates as well. It'll keep its integrity um, from... 70, but minus 77 up to 277 degrees Fahrenheit, which means no matter where you live, this is going to work. Oh, so it'll work on Mars. <laughs> it'll work on Mars <laughs> <laughs> or the moon. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. This is equestriancollections.com. Just search for Itchin' Post.
Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So we're going to do this show a little bit dedicated to the uh, Intercollegiate Dressage Association, to which you are the president, I guess. And uh, maybe you could start off by telling us all about IDA. Okay, terrific. Well, IDA was first started um, with a group of New England, basically, colleges and secondary schools in 1995. Just a small handful of schools, Johnson Wales University, Mount Holyoke College, Ethel Walker School, Williston Academy, Stony Burnham School, got together and started to do uh, competitions in dressage where they didn't have to transport horses, that they rode the whole school horses. And the first set of rules were actually drawn up by a, uh, Michelle Hoffman, a uh, Mount Holyoke student. And we basically, uh, the New England region, uh, competed under, under that sort of format, sort of informally, with uh, both secondary and uh, colleges for about six years. And then in 2001, we had an East Coast Regional Championship, because as we were doing this in New England, other regions of the country also were getting interested in dressage and wanted to make dressage available to collegiate um, scholar-athletes. And so... What the, what they what we did is the Virginia region uh, had a quite a lively group of about four or five colleges. And New England at that time had uh, oh probably five or six colleges and secondary schools. And we went down to Virginia Intermont and had our first sort of East Coast regional championship. At that time, we met and developed um, a little bit more on the rules, and we decided we really wanted to incorporate and become a national association. So from those roots, we basically formulated a board of directors and incorporated in 2001 as the Interscholastic Intercollegiate Dressage Association. And then as we grew and more colleges joined from across the country, it really became uh, obvious that we really couldn't put college athletes and high school athletes in the same arena at the same time. Basically, most colleges wanted to, to just have the college athletes alone. So we became a total college uh, organization in uh, two, 2003, really. Now, uh, currently, we are in nine regions across the country, in the U.S. and in Canada. We have schools from California to Florida to Maine to uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. And there's about 60 colleges involved and about 700 to 750 riders. The tally is just being counted for this year's membership. And we're very, um, we're growing. Uh, we're growing probably a little bit slower than, say, IHSA because it's harder to find schools that have access to dressage horses. But I think uh, as, the, uh, as it grows, the Dressage clubs throughout the country with USDF are more aware of us and more uh, willing to lend horses uh, to some of the college teams for youth. And uh, so let me tell you a little bit about the format of the competition. It's really unique and quite different, and our judges are always totally amazed at the quality of riding um, with the type of format that we do. We have four different divisions, and so each team brings four riders at four different levels or four different divisions. There's a walk trot, a lower training, an upper training, and a first level. And the, the in, within those 
those levels, we take the tests, both the USDS and the USEF tests, and ride, ride those tests. Um, each team that rides, they get, they basically draw from a pool of, t- of horses four horses. So instead of drawing individual horses, they're actually drawing four horses. And that becomes their, their group of horses that they're all their four riders are going to ride. Generally, two other teams will also ride that same group of four horses. So each horse will do three tests. And it's very fascinating for the judges to see the same horse go under three riders. And uh, quite you can get quite different rides under under three different riders. Now, the other really different part of this is the regular dressage competition. Mostly in regular dressage competition, you spend hours, weeks, months, years um, developing a bond with your horse before you go in front of the judge and compete. In this type of competition, the horses are warmed up by the host school. You arrived at the host school. You basically watch these horses in a warm-up and what we call parade of horses, and you watch them go, and the judges and the students have to ascertain, you know, a little bit of the quirks of the horse and how this horse looks like it needs to be ridden. And then you basically declare which rider is going to ride which horse, and sometimes this can be, you can have a lot of variation that your first-level rider might be able to ride your upper-training-level horse. Your walk-trot rider might be able to ride your your lower training horse. So a coach can decide, okay, this is a smaller horse and I have a smaller rider and I'll put this one rider on this horse and this rider on the other horse. And then after all the horses and riders are declared of where they're riding, you get an order of go. And then you're given a 10-minute warm-up and that's all you're given. Basically, you adjust your stirrups from the ground, you get on, you have exactly 10 minutes to warm up and then have to be on a loose rein, walk out to the competition arena and wait for your bell or whistle and go up the center line on a horse that you've only ridden probably 10 minutes. And it's fascinating to see the performances that the uh, college students produce after just 10 minutes. We routinely get um, comments from judges that, you know, especially, say, at the walk-trot level at nationals, going, I don't think I've ever seen walk-trot horses on the bit like this, you know, and we have, uh, you know, just some, it's really quite, quite, it really shows the talent of the riders to be able to ride, a, get on a horse and really produce a performance um, in 10 minutes. It's really fun for the riders. They really enjoy it because not only has the camaraderie of the team, you get to travel to different host schools, get to ride different horses, you get to develop the catch riding skills which a lot of dressage riders don't get to do. They generally are paired with one horse and don't get to ride a lot of different horses. So it's really quite uh, a fun, fascinating competition. Um, and I think it's, it um, really is, is beneficial to uh, the colleges and the riders. And Beth, so if I had... That's that's incredible. Ten minutes. I'm impressed with all of those riders. That's really that's a great skill to develop. So Beth, if I had um a young person that was interested in IDA, how would we um how would I go about finding some schools that are part of the kind of the group? Great question. We have a website at www.teamdressage.com, and it lists all the schools by region and. A young person can go on and find find a school that they are interested in, the academics of the school, the location of the school, and uh, look to see if they have an IDA, an IDA team. 
there also on that website is listed these coaches. And I really highly recommend if someone's interested in a particular college or program that they email the coach and uh, really find out the specifics of that particular team. The teams vary in their structure quite a bit. They go from programs with um, majors in equestrian studies and equine studies to very small clubs, club teams that might just have four kids on them. Um, some of the teams have you know, 20, 20, 30 uh, students on them. Some of them just have, have the minimum four, four students on them. And, uh, so you can find out more uh, on the website. That's great. And, and Beth, how much experience do you need to have to be part of, of IDA? You basically should have, the walk-trot riders aren't what you typically think of as walk-trot riders. They generally have ridden, oh, you know, at least two or three years. They're not their beginner, beginner riders who can just, you know, barely pick up a posting trot because they have to ride a dressage test on a, on a strange horse. And so our requirements are that they, you know, they really have the basic competence to do that, to be able to navigate um, a strange horse around, around a dressage test. Um, so they should have probably two or three years riding experience. Many of um, the college programs, they can get that riding experience at the college. Uh, we've had some students that have had very minimal experience and have ridden for a few years with the college and then been able to join now, Beth, what about a rider that is maybe attending a college that currently doesn't have a team, um, but they may want to uh, try and start one? What would be what would be that process? Great, um, really encourage new teams, and um, the thing that you really need to do is to find. Hopefully, you're at a college that has an active region. And um, if you're in, a, in an area like New England or the South uh, Midwest, Ohio has Michigan, they all have many teams, or California, you can find, you know, you're in an active region. And so basically you can find your regional rep and email your regional rep and just say that you'd like to, join, you'd like to become an uh, active team. The dues are only $200 for the team. The team needs to have a uh, official representative of the college approve that they can be a, a team. They can be a club sport or whatever uh, for the for the um, for the college. We do have to have official uh, notification that uh, you can represent that college as, as a team, and then you can basically start a team. We give assistance grants for for new teams frequently, so that if a new team wants to start up needs to have a little bit of funding to start up. Uh, once they've joined, they can apply for an assistance grant. And now, uh, my experience is that the, the students must be in full-time in college. I mean, what are the requirements that way? Yes, full-time um, college student, so whatever is full-time for their particular college, and for that should be verified by their registrar. And they can they have four years of eligibility. So they can even be a graduate student if they haven't used up their four years of eligibility. We've had veterinary students and animal science master's degree students um, join teams. And uh, so that is, you know, nice if they you know, haven't been able to join in the undergraduate years right away, that maybe they, um, in their graduate program, they can actually join. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about IDA today, Beth. 
Um, is there is there a way somebody can get a hold of you? Yes. I'm a director of the Equine Studies Program at Johnson & Wales University and one of the, one of the founding members of IDA. And you can reach me at bbeukema, B-B-E-U-K-E-M-A, at jwu.edu. Well, that was a great interview from Beth, and now we're uh, having a commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, and we'll come back with Meredith Allum, a student who wrote in the IDA. Well, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we talk a lot about Kentucky Performance Products, and that's because they are a name you can trust to give you the most value for your supplement money. Kentucky Performance Products offers supplements designed to target specific problems that are made with high-quality ingredients included at effective levels. The company's supplements are intended to complement, not compete, with your dressage horse's current feeding program, guarding against over-supplementation, and each product is backed by sound research and the money-back satisfaction guarantee. And today, we'd like to talk to you about Nalox, the original equine antacid. It's recommended by veterinarians and leading horsemen as a way of maintaining a healthy stomach, which reduces the risk of ulcers. Nalox can be given daily to horses exposed to stressful conditions or as needed when shipping, competing, or during stall confinement. You know, you can learn about Nalox and all the products at Kentucky Performance Products at KPP. USA.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at KPPUSA.com. We'd like to welcome Dr. Meredith Allum to the show. She's now a practicing veterinarian in Canada. She was a student and a rider for IDA for many years. Meredith, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks very much. I'm happy to be on. Yeah, thanks. So tell us about IDA. When did you start and what was it like? Um, I started in my very first year of university and uh, I had an awesome time. It was a lot of fun. It was nice to um, you know, have some events to go to on the weekend. There was some good bonding with the teammates. Um, and, and overall, it was a really positive experience. So Meredith, tell us about your IDA experience and what level you rode at and the whole... Um, show day, how it works. Well, um, based on my previous show experience, I qualified to ride at first level. Um, it's a really neat kind of setup for the show. Um, you go in, you ride as a, as a new rider there, you get 10 minutes to warm up on an unfamiliar horse, and then you ride your test. Um, so it brings a whole new set of skills that you have to have with you um, to be, and you need to be able to adapt to um, the situation, which is certainly different than anything I had done, bef- done before in my riding career. So, Meredith, the 10 minutes, that is intriguing to me. That seems really, really difficult. How do you go in? You know, um, what Beth was saying is that you see the horse warm up and you see a rider ride it. But what do you, how do you prepare for that? Because that's a, not a normal dressage. You know, it's not normal. Yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely difficult to prepare for that. Um, you did get to see the horse go before, and and hopefully your your coach can help you um, a little bit too, so that you can both watch the horse go and get a few ideas. You know, even if it's just the basics, like okay, this horse needs to go more forward, or you know, we're going to have to be pretty tactful with this one. You know, it's a hot horse; um, it can't be too aggressive. So you have to have an open mind too when you go in there when you start riding, because um, you have a little bit of a plan when you start, but. With 10 minutes, you have to be willing to um, 
maybe step away even from that plan and try something different if it's not working for you pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I have a little experience with this being an IDA coach for a few years, and I think that's one of the things is that, um, you know, you got to try and play on the horse's strengths and uh, and not focus on the weaknesses because you're not training the horse. You're just, you know, you're just tactfully riding it around in a test, and especially for first level, if a horse hasn't learned leg yield, you're not going to teach it leg yield in 10 minutes. So I think that's... uh, that's an important thing and a, and a different skill to work on. What other skills do you think that maybe helped you ride successfully in IDA? Um, being able, you know, being able to adapt to that um, skills, maybe even just more generally, just um, having experience riding different horses. I mean, I've always had my own horse, but I've always had opportunity to ride, you know, my friend's horse or school horse. Um, so to be used to, to riding something different um, every so often and knowing that you know, every horse comes with their own quirks um, and we just have to work through them. And you know, when, you, when you are doing a 10-minute warm-up, there's not time usually to get the horse going quite how you like. Um, so you also have to you know, go in with the expectation that you may end up doing your test with what you feel is a little bit you know, subpar quality. Um, but uh, just going ahead anyway and doing the best that you can. So, to Philip and Meredith, do, do, when do teams ever stack the deck? You know, you got the really good first place team coming in. We're going to get the crappy horses out today. No, because if it's random draw, then they're, oh, they're really can't you could end do up with the crappy horse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's why it's so it's so interesting because yeah, like, and sometimes the the rider doesn't suit the horse at all, and it could be a great horse and also a, a good a good rider, but sometimes these clashes you can see it go on in the warm up and uh, it it does create a few tears once in a while. So I think you know just the ability just to just like Meredith just said just carry on through some adversity and and uh, realize that you know one bad test isn't the end of the world and you know it's 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 a, it's a lot of fun and it's and it's for fun right <laughs> yeah i think we're kind of <laughs> we're making it sound like it's so it's so much hard work but it is fun um you know once once you get used to it and you know what's going on it is quite enjoyable so all right, now, what, Reese, 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 let's yeah, get off this Yeah, stuff. I know. Yeah, I know. Let's, let's, that's, this is all boring. Let's get to the yes. important stuff, Reese. The important stuff of the day. Go ahead. Yes, so so Meredith actually is Philip's fiance. So we we wanted to be serious for our first part of the interview. But Meredith, okay, we can mute Philip. Glenn has the power. Tell us some dish about Philip. We want to know. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on. So, well, wait a minute. Let's start here. You met him because because he was actually coaching the team, right? He, he was coaching. Yeah, right? he was coaching yeah. the team. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> um, yes, uh, we were not dating initially. For uh, I, Phil was the coach, and I and, and I was one of the riders for several years before any um, any more of a relationship blossomed. But <laughs> in in my final year um, of riding, I did. I did three years on the team, so my first three years in university, and then I did a um, a comeback year a couple of years <laughs> later, actually. And, and for that year, we were we were dating through. through we that, like but to call that knew. A, yeah, a victory lap. You did a victory lap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. <laughs> we needed a first level rider, so, <laughs> so why not? 
Well, you know, no, we, no, that's great. we all know that guys aren't real prevalent in the dressage world. <laughs> there are some, but there's not a ton. You know, it's definitely dominated by women. So I imagine that most of the team was women, right? Or all the team? Yeah, most of the team was. I think actually he may have been one of the only male males in attendance at the whole show, at most of the shows. Even. God, I got it wrong when I was growing up. I should have yeah, been. Glenn, well, I screwed that, that up. Definitely. Definitely get a lot of attention as a, as a guy in, in, the, in the horse, in the dressage anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so what is Phil's most embarrassing moment, I got to ask? Wait a minute. <laughs> I thought I muted Come you. Come on, guys. <laughs> Keep it oh. IDA related or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. You shut up. This is us now. Um, you're really putting me on the spot. I can't think of anything. But uh, how uh, did he propose? Oh, he told us how he proposed. The and uh, it sounded it sounded very romantic. It was romantic. He did an excellent job. Um, it was a surprise. And, uh, and, and was, was there lovely. any hesitation when you said, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, okay. oh, you're really, you're really twisting my arm. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it wasn't like one. that. <laughs> <laughs> now you just started practicing recently, didn't you? What's that? You just started practicing veterinary skills recently, didn't yeah. you? So what yeah, do you do? What are you doing now? Ago. Yeah. Where are you working and what, what are you doing? Where? Um, I am working in Oakville, Ontario, um, in a small animal practice. Um, dogs and cats with the occasional uh, rabbit or guinea pig, but uh, for the most part, just sick dogs and cats, and, and also ones that need their need their vaccination. So I help them get along and uh, and feel better and. Yeah, that's, okay. that's my job. Okay, you spent eight years, right? Almost eight years getting your veterinary degree and going through school and all of that stuff. And now you're actually doing it. So what's your thought now that you're actually doing it after all of that preparatory time? <laughs> it, it was, it's a little bit of a shock, actually, but a good one. <laughs> so that transition from, you know, from student to, it's like, oh, oh, okay, well, now it's just me now and I... <laughs> I, I'm doing the job. Finally, it's, it's it was such a long time coming that it, it's almost surreal in the beginning. But uh, I'm settling into the routine now and quite enjoying it. And and Reese, she's learning what every other veterinarian learns, and that is dealing with the animals is a pleasure compared yeah. to dealing with the people. <laughs> well, I think yeah. it's the same. I think it's the same in many jobs. <laughs> I'm not going to say horse training. No, I'm not say that at all. Yeah. <laughs> so every where did you get to? I was going to say, every day is a little bit different, and, and that's usually to do with the people that bring in the animals. <laughs> do, now, Meredith, have you been riding at all? Um, I've been riding a little bit, so I've really been kind of um, intermittent through my through my vet school years. And the last, I rode a lot um, in the springtime, and then not so much for a couple months, and now I'm just getting back into it, you know, once or twice a week. Um, so and I'm enjoying that and hoping to um, keep keep that up. Well, hopefully that'll be a nice wedding present Philip can give you a nice horse, <laughs> Philip. Yes. Get working, Do I also buddy. get one? Do I also get one? <laughs> no, no, you oh. don't. No, just no, one no, for no. <laughs> no one for just one for Meredith. So Meredith, <laughs> when are you guys getting married? I don't know if that's on the spot, but any plans um, yet? 
there's there's no official official date set yet, but we're hoping for maybe next October. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We'd love to have you back on. This was a great <laughs> great introduction. Thanks for coming on, and we look forward to, uh, the next time. And you've got to tell us next time the most embarrassing moment for Philip. Okay, I'll have I'll have some some dirt ready to go ready to that's, give you. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, that's I'm glad it. she wasn't prepared this time. <laughs> I'm yeah, he just got rolled about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Meredith. Have a great night. Well, we're going to get our trainer tip here from one of the New England Dressage Association trainers in just a minute, but I wanted to mention that they have the 2012 Fall Weekend Symposium is coming up with Stephen Clark and Ashley Holzer. That's October 27th and 28th at Pineland Farms. That's in New uh, New Gloucester, Maine. So if you want to attend that, just go to the website at neda.org to get all of the details. And now we have returning with us, she was on earlier in the show, Beth uh, Bukema, and she's going to be our trainer tip of the week. We're very privileged to have Beth Bukema back for our Nita training tip of the month. Beth, thanks for coming on again for our second segment of the night. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. So tell us, what is your Nita trainer tip of the month? Our training tip is going to focus on the rider. I think many many trainers focus on the horse, and the rider is so much a part of the combination that I think the rider um, needs some focus now from time to time. And one of the rider focuses that I work on with my students at Johnson & Wales all the time is basically motion training, and I use the Eckhart Miner's Balance and Motion Program, and it really helps my students tremendously be able to stay in balance and oscillate with their horse. So I really recommend, um, as a book to get familiar with this program, Rider Fitness, Body and Brain by Eckhart Miners. And in that book, you will find tremendous uh, selection of exercises to do for both balance, flexibility, um, core strength, range of motion, and they really will help you uh, produce a better performance in your horse. One of the easiest tips to do is to just warm up before you get on your horse. And many people get on their horse, you know, cold and stiff after the fat in the office. And if they can just warm up their bodies before they get on the horse, it can make your ride go much smoother and much more efficiently. One of the best ways to warm up quickly, it might look a little funny, is to skip. And we do what we call crazy skipping. That we skip, and as we skip, we make our arms and our legs cross our center line. So we swing our legs to the opposite side. The right leg crosses over towards the left leg, the left to the right, and we do what crazy skipping. And a few minutes of that's amazing. You get your heart rate up, your respiration up, warm your muscles, and also just help all your um, ligaments, tendons, muscles um, activate more quickly and help help your cross coordination. Beth, is there is there any other tips from this? Uh, because I've I've heard about this program a little bit, but uh, I haven't gotten into it or I don't have much experience. Is there is there any um, anything else from that you want to you can bring to the show? Um, there's there's many different exercises um, that can be done. Um, some of them involve the Balamo stool, which is a stool that moves in 3D motion. It has a like a ball and socket joint. And it moves the hips forward, back, and around and do circles with it. And that's very, um, very good for flexibility and movement in the hips. Um, 
One of the other things um, I would say is uh, cross-crawling, which is basically just sort of you can do like a military-type type crawling, and that will warm up your spine. So there's many different exercises that, that can be done uh, to warm up your body and to help uh, facilitate movement of your body. One way I like to think about it for the rider is to think of the rider has a core of muscles around their, say, their abdomen. And in through that goes the spinal cord, which has a double S shape. And that spinal cord has to be able to oscillate to move with the horse. Yet, you don't want to be a floppy dog. The muscles have to hold within that, that um, oscillation so that you have the flexibility and the strength at the same time. We basically want this of our horses, too. We often talk about the ring of muscles of the horse, how the horse's abdominal muscles have to work to lift the back. Well, if we expect the horse's abdominal muscles to lift the back and the neck telescoping muscles to reach forward into the bridle, then we have to be balanced on top of the horse in order to allow that back to come up and to allow that horse the full range of motion. Our, our body has to oscillate with the horse's body. So I like our riders to think not only of their body, but their horse's body, and especially, particularly the back, and really think of the back being the key, especially to when it comes to collection and extension. Don't think of the legs, how what they're doing, but think of what the back is doing. The back is coming up and oscillating in, in the uh, flexion and extension. It basically gets flatter during the extension and comes up more during the collection. And Beth, do you recommend any, any other stretching type warm-up? Many of, many of the stretching exercises. Um, you can do all the different shoulder stretching exercises. You can do um, hamstring stretches. Very, very uh, Many people are very, very tight in their, their hamstrings. You could do Achilles tendon stretches where you stand on a edge of a staircase. Just allow uh, your body weight to stretch your Achilles tendon out. Remember never to bounce, but just stretch out, stretch out um, on the tendon. You can do um, cross-body movements uh, where you're just you know, moving your hand, your arms from one side of your body to the other, and, and stretching your chest open. Uh, many of the stretches uh, that are done for the shoulders. Um, and regular gym exercises are also very appropriate for, for riders as they stretch their shoulder blades and st- uh, stretch their, their muscles. Uh, that helps them a lot. Well, Beth, thank you so much for the tip. Um, can we get the name of that book again just to uh, reiterate that point? It's Rider Fitness, Body and Brain by Eckhart Miners. It's published by Kerr. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for giving us your tip today. Um, Nita appreciates it, and uh, so do we. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you again to Nita for being a sponsor of the show. We really appreciate that. And as I said, you can check out their website at neda.org. Well, Philip, we weren't too bad with Meredith on the show. We could have been much worse. We could have asked about much more you, personal things. No, it's you guys were bad. She just didn't give anything up. No, she <laughs> She was good. She was good. She was good. She was tight. But you, were good you guys, what's this most guys. embarrassing moment? You know, yeah, I was trying stuff. to pull You guys out, are lady. bad. You guys I was are trying. bad. She was good, Meredith. I would have, poor Travis, I would have thrown him under the bus. That's for sure. <laughs> he would have thrown you under the bus. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, that he would have. Totally yeah. Yeah, that that's, was, what, that's what happens after a few years of marriage. But you know what, Reese? You wear it all on your sleeve anyway, so it isn't too much. Yeah, there's yeah. no secret. I mean, <laughs> that's 
true. It's all out there with Reese. I know. Well, Philip, it was fun. She was a brave soul to come on the show, actually. Yeah, I think she, she did she a great was job. Courageous and did a great job. So, <laughs> yeah, that's you have a good girl there. Keep her. Don't yeah. let her get away. <laughs> I try. Don't screw it up, Philip. Yeah, Philip, easy, buddy. <laughs> Why does everybody say that? <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, everybody, thanks so much for coming on and listening to the show. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com. And my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week.